to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Hey folks, welcome to another episode on podcast Freshly Forever. Today I have the pleasure of talking to Amol Gupta, and he is an upcoming junior at the University of Georgia. He has trained in martial arts from the age of five, and has achieved his second-degree black belt in American karate. In addition, Amol has recently joined his college's Budokai club and has been elected president for the next upcoming academic year. Amol still trains whenever he has time to visit home in order to keep up his status and respect from other members of the dojo. He'll continue to teach classes again over the summer at his local studio. Hi, Amol. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad that you could be here. Uh, for the benefit of listeners who'd like to know more about what martial arts is and its origin, could you just take us through that, Amol? Of course. So martial arts actually has many origins and many backgrounds for many of the uh, East Asian countries. Japan has karate, China has kung fu, and so many of the other, Thailand and even Hong Kong, its own sector, have their own type of martial arts. The martial uh-huh. arts that I started with is karate. And the way it started was during the samurai period of Japan, uh, many of the farmers in Japan were just simply having a lot of tools in hand just to help make rice in rice fields, rice patties, and all that stuff. And then suddenly, a lot of samurai started to attack them and attack the villages, and they needed to find a way to fight back. Now, uh-huh. the samurais had very sharp swords called katanas, and they didn't have anything as fancy as that. What they did have, however, was many of the modern ninja tools that Japan uses today, which include the nunchuck, the bow staff, and many more. Okay. After finding out that they could also uh, start to defend themselves with their open hand, which means no weapon which is Uh what karate really stands for, then they were able to develop a fighting system, which they could even use to fend off the samurai. From there, it started in a prefecture of Japan called Okinawa. And once it traveled to mainland Japan, it changed drastically from becoming a small self-defense act to a huge identity of Japan. And around the uh, high 1800s, early 1900s, then it started to get introduced into America and then from there, it just flourished into a huge sport, which is renowned around the world. Okay. So it's practiced for many reasons, as I see it, like fighting, self-defense. Yes, sport. yes. Um, maybe, you know, there are several more aspects to it, you know, that we can come to in a bit. But mm-hmm. how about you? Um, you chose karate. And what age did you get initiated into karate? So it actually turned out that mom was looking for something for me to do. I just turned around five years old and I was just lazing around the house, you know, doing whatever kindergartners do. And Uh my mom thought it would be a good idea to start in karate. There was a local dojo nearby, which was like a quick three minute drive. So she said, you know what? Why not? And my dad was all for it as well. So she enrolled me and my brother up. And uh-huh. from the five till eight years old, I was working up the ranks. And I think I reached to my purple belt, which is specific to that main studio. And after that, I think after the age of eight, 
I decided to take a leave to try some other things. Okay. So what kind of training does karate involve? So training from karate involves many different aspects. The ones my dojo go over are a focus on kicks, combinations, self-defense, forms, or otherwise known as kata, and then sparring. So the kicks, as much as it sounds like, it's just focused on how you are kicking. There are different ways to attack opponent with your legs, and we have to figure out all those different ways and perfect it to a precision. Okay. So is that what um, uh, determines, you said purple belt, right? So is yes. that what determines what stages you progress, like as to how your physical training and your mental training, because it's a mix of both, right? Yes. So how so you progress with that, does it make the determination as far as your belt progression as well? Yes, it does. So once you start to learn all the five core values of progressing from belt to belt, then you also do have a mental aspect as well, not only in becoming the best to your abilities, but also showcasing that you are worthy of holding either a blue belt, a purple belt, or even a black belt. Because other the pe- other people who are belts either above or below you will expect that different, different things if they see that belt color tied around your waist. And based on your belt color, they'll expect different values that you would have for karate. Okay. Uh, now that we talked about core values, Amol, can you talk about that a little bit more as to what those are and... Um, also, what belt level does one start with in karate and what is the progression thereafter? Okay, sure. So the core values of karate are mainly, the main core value that karate has is always to attack second, or in this case, self-defense first. So we are never going around looking for a fight, neither are we trying to make more people uncomfortable with showing how skilled we are. We are just simple day-to-day civilians just doing our own thing. However, in a situation which is causing others people stress, and if we are unable to put our axe towards it, then we will safely disarm either ourselves or simply disarm the person's life in danger. So we will try to make everything as seamless as possible and only use our skills in necessary times when it can't be used at any other time. Okay. Okay. And what about the belt? Is purple the first level? Is that where you start? So the first belt is actually the white belt. The Actually, I'll tell a quick story about the belts as well. So the reason why the white belt is the beginning and the black belt is the end is because earlier times in Japan, they didn't have any nice belt color ranking system, but instead they had one belt, a white belt, and a white uniform. And they used to practice Ah. out in the dirt fields. And for some reason... Every time they practice, they would never wash their uniform or their belt. So <laughs> they would practice so much that their belts and their clothing would turn naturally black. And that's okay. how you could tell how long someone has been practicing martial arts for and who has committed the most time. Okay. So start with the white, end with the black. But mm-hmm. what about the intermediate levels? So the intermediate levels change from dojo to dojo. Um, it's up to the main instructor's precision and how he wants to rank his dojo students. For me personally, I had many different rankings coming into the American style dojo that I have. But for the uh-huh. style which I'm practicing now, which is Shurinjiro Karatsudo, 
we have very less belt colors and more stripes on the different belt colors. Okay, but just for me to understand and just for anyone else to understand, what would you say are some very common belt color level progressions? Yeah, so some common belt levels will be from white and then after that they will usually give a yellow belt or an orange belt depending on the studio. From yellow and orange, they will either give a green, maybe even a purple. Then they will advance to a type of blue belt. And then from there, the blue belt is also interchangeable with purple. So uh-huh. both of those will either be higher than the other. And then they will either go for a red belt or a brown belt, depending on how the instructor likes to use it. And once you hit the red and brown belt, then they advance you to a specific belt called a novice black belt. And this uh-huh. novice black belt is basically just saying that you are ready to take the black belt test, but now you have to undergo the training to be ready for that test. And then, okay. And that takes around two years of training. And after you finally finish those two years and you take the final black belt test and you pass, then you get your first degree black belt. Okay. Uh, perfect. Thanks for that clarification on that. Mm-hmm. But what about... You said you were initially, your initial stint was from five until eight years old. But what other sports did you pursue after that? So after the age of eight, I decided to try baseball. I played a little bit of basketball. And I tried a lot of different other sports that many kids my age were also interested in. Baseball Uh was one that I really stuck to. I remember being catcher for my own small team. And also playing batter, like how normally all the kids are. But I think it was a short last love because I shortly found martial arts once again when I entered Uh middle school. Okay. So you re-enrolled in middle school in karate, is that right? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. And so how different was the second time stint when compared to the first? And did you enjoy it more? How... What exactly happened here? I think one thing which changed for my second stint was that I had, by doing all these different sports, I was now physically capable to take my body in different directions and move it in different certain ways that Uh was normally not able to at the age of five to eight. And in middle school, I am around 12 or 13 years old. That's when I really enrolled. And I had such a control on my body that I was able to flawlessly go through all karate techniques and sparring techniques with much ease. And a lot of my own um, fellow friends envied me because they would always say that, oh, no, you're going to get it easy. You don't have to try uh-huh. too hard. <laughs> but I, okay. Yeah. But I think after doing so many different sports and being exposed to so many different physical uh, demanding sports, my body just sort of accustomed itself to be able to do anything that it asked it to. Okay. Um, as far as the everyday skills that martial arts can teach you, I mean, say you talked about the core values aspect, right? So what would you say are some skills that one can acquire doing martial arts? Would that be focus? Would that be confidence? What What would you say are some skills that one can acquire? So there are many different skills that anyone can get playing normal sports. Focus, confidence, and all these different things can come from a lot of sports. 
But I think one thing which um, karate and specifically martial arts also focuses on is your mental strength. Because uh-huh. in terms of doing a technique over and over, keeping your leg in the air, trying to kick over 50 repetitions, doing the exact same thing. And once you're done doing those 50 repetitions, the karate teacher asks for one more time of those 50 uh-huh. repetitions. It's definitely a mental strength which develops in your body. And basically just saying that I don't care what's going on. As long as my mind is mentally okay and mentally stable, I'll be able to handle any situation that comes up. Okay. So right there, I think it also addresses the aspects of like goal setting and uh, discipline and all of that, right? And then when you say your teacher asks for one more, right there, it also, I think, uh, it becomes like a situation of respect, correct? Like you can't like, uh, go against the will of the teacher. Instead, you know, you try to learn to respect an individual for what they ask or what is being asked of you, correct? So the funny thing is that every time we would have to respond with our teachers saying, yes, sir. And in many uh-huh. sports, when you see is a very casual relationship with the players and the coaches. And mainly when I was also being in part of baseball, I would always say, when coach would always tell us to do more runs, the whole team would be like, come on, coach. But then we would eventually Uh do it. But in karate, as soon as he asks for something else, even if you're not ready for it, we always reply with a quick yes, sir, and get straight into it. So they do, yeah. So they do develop a strong sense of respect and leadership very early on in your classes. And one of the first few lessons as a white belt is to always respect all commands of the teacher and always respond with yes, sir. Oh, that's wonderful. I think those are definitely some great life lessons and skills there. And we talked about the different belt levels earlier, right? Um, What would you say typically is the time period that one can say envision um, in terms of an achievement path going from one belt level to another? Is it individual dependent or is it like kind of like a standard? What would you say? I think from each individual standpoint, from belt to belt, there is definitely not too much change. However, there are different certain belts that are grouped together, which are basically your ranks. So my dojo They combine three belts of similar colors into three separate sections of beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And the the thresholds would always be, for at least our dojo, would be transitioning from green belt to green advanced belt, and then transitioning from purple advanced belt to blue belt, and then from brown advanced belt to novice black belt. Basically... Okay. So when you transition between those stages, would you say it's like a one-year time period that it normally takes for a person or is it like a few months how how is that progression so in between each belt for our studio we would usually take three months to learn our curriculum test our curriculum and then graduate so every three belts it would take nine months so if you stayed continuously focused on the entire belt journey you could surely get it in around two years three years However, many students uh, find it very difficult after advanced belt to progress on as easy. So they usually take Uh another three months to progress to the next belts in the advanced section, as I did. 
Okay. And further to your advanced brown belt, you tried for a novice black belt right away, correct? Yeah, that that was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So how was that uh, experience? Yeah, you said that was a mistake. So what happened there? So what happened is I have all this newfound confidence rejoining the dojo. And my friends always teasing me saying I'm the best. And with that uh, overconfident mindset, I was just went straight uh-huh. in saying like, oh, I got this. I know I can do this. And it was a completely different experience than any other test I, that, that I ever had to take. It entailed a huge physical training portion even before we started doing the test, which required around 50 plus pushups, 60 plus sit-ups, uh-huh. and then immediately going into a horse stance, which is basically holding something similar to a horse riding posture but no horse. So you're holding that posture for around three to four minutes straight. Okay. So does each level then involve a certain set of physical activities for you to, you know, be able to graduate from one belt to another? Yes. Every belt requires a certain number of push-ups, sit-ups, and a time to hold the horse stance. And this is more prevalent in the later belts than the earlier belts, because in the earlier belts, they're still developing their physical strength and they are more less tedious with how specifically are they doing their push-ups if they're really holding the posture for a horse stance. But once you are uh-huh. in the advanced belt, especially if you are a novice black belt, you are expected to be the best of the best. And you have to basically do everything to a solid perfection that the senseis will agree upon saying that this kid deserves a black belt or deserves a novice okay. black belt. And so you also have like a certain uh, requirement on the number of miles you run and all of that for the black belt? Yes, for the black belt test, they do require you to run a mile in under 10 minutes. And if you are not able to do that, then they will almost always fail you. Okay. And so when you tried for a novice black belt, and I heard you say that was a mistake. So what did that hiccup teach you? And um how did you handle that aspect of, okay, that temporary failure, if you will? So after I missed the passing grade by one section, because there are eight sections uh-huh. on the test, I got five out of eight when the passing was needed six out of eight. After I uh-huh. saw that result, it was the first time in a long time at the dojo, at least, that I didn't get it right away or just immediately. Uh-huh. So it really just took a hit to my confidence and my um, ability being like, can I keep continuing on as a martial artist? Is this really what's meant to be? And here I am at like mm-hmm. age 14 thinking this. But after I took around a month break after that test, because it was very physically demanding, I restarted my classes once a week, twice a week. And surely I started to get back into the rhythm of just doing my own regular training. And Okay. Around after six months of training, again, as a novice black, as an advanced brown belt, I was able to sign up for the next novice black belt test and pass with six out of eight sections. Oh, how nice. And so how did that reflect on your mindset at that time, you know, from the hiccup to the success? Definitely during those six months, my only thing that was going on was that I needed to be better than I was. And I need to physically show myself and physically show the senseis as well that I'm mature enough and ready to take the next uh, novice black belt test. Okay. And you also said once or twice a week, right? Typically, how many days in a week does anyone train in karate for any 
any belt level. So since I wasn't doing many extracurriculars at the time in middle school, I was able to train at least four times a week. And every single day, there would be 45-minute sessions. And some days, there would be back-to-back classes of a normal class and then a sparring class. So those would be Uh on Wednesday and Saturday. So that's what it would entail. Okay. And what was the other class that you said? Sparring class. This is the where we all wear our protection gear, our headgear, our mask, and our um, gloves, chest, and then our feet gear. And then we would have hand-to-hand combat with each other in a very safe and controlled environment. Okay. Okay. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. So how did you revisit your goals uh, at that point, Amol, for your further belt achievements? Like, say, the first hiccup with the novice black belt, then t- then you having achieved it. How did you revisit your goals at that point as far as ultimately going for that black belt, you know, which is the most coveted uh, prize, I guess, that any dojo student would want to Uh, go for so after i finally received my novice black belt i just realized as soon as i had it i celebrated for maybe five ten minutes and then it hit dawned Uh upon me that now i am physically one belt away from every kid's dream when they first start a martial arts school and the training needed for getting to that place not even just to get the belt but in order to take the test started requiring me to start practice running because at that point I did not run regularly and my mile time was Uh over 10 minutes by, I think it was 11 minutes or 12 minutes. So I was physically not in shape to start running. I needed to start training my body to be able to start doing the amount of pushups and setups that would be needed on the day of the test. I had to, in fact, also get CPR certified and write a 500 word paper essay about why uh, martial, what martial art means to me, why I love it, uh-huh. and how would I use my black belt leadership status to further um, make the students of the dojo uh, more inspired and more um, trying to do more like techniques and basically look at us with a sense of pride, being like, "That's my uh, friend Amogute, or that's my sensei Amogute, and he is a black belt." Basically. Okay. Okay. So how do you think martial arts influenced your life at that point, Amol? Like in terms of what adjustments or what tweaks did you have to make even in your own life to be able to achieve this next belt level, like nutritionally, physically, um, and then balancing school and what you do, all of this. So how did it influence your life at that point? So nutritionally, thankfully, I didn't have to change much since I was raised a vegetarian and mom was always making sure the cooked meals she would give me were very, very healthy, high in protein, and Uh always giving me the amount of carbs, micro macronutrients, and all those amazing things that I needed. So my body could always be able to uh, stay fit. And in addition to that, I started having to train outside of the dojo, which I did not do at first. And mainly I would just spend time Uh in the dojo training my body. But now in addition to training my body inside the dojo, 
I had to start practicing push-ups, sit-ups, and running outside the dojo. So sometimes before school, I would sometimes wake up early, go for runs, and especially at home, if I wasn't doing anything too physical or doing anything like uh-huh. homework, I would just take some time, practice push-ups, practice sit-ups, and study for my CPR examinations and uh, start preparing my 500-word essay in addition to everything that was going on. Okay. And as far as the mental side, um, say, did what you do at the dojo already make you like a person who would kind of be in like a very calm state of mind? Or did you have to do anything like meditation outside of your karate class to be able to handle the demands of what martial arts presented? So my studio, they did give a large emphasis in mental strength and basically mental balance. They did not go into many aspects of meditation or anything like that. However, being Uh with my dad, Mahesh, he is also a practitioner of many Isha yoga practices. And around the age of 13, or no, it was earlier, where he sent me to an Isha camp and I was able to actually pick up a small kids kriya which i could do and i think in preparation for my black belt test i did that a couple times a week basically just to get myself in the mental okay. uh, mindset of no matter what happens during this test no matter what they throw at you stay calm stay cool and then it'll be all color okay and your first degree black belt in 2016 where you were a high schooler at that yes point? at that point i was a sophomore in high school so I remember it down to the date. It was August 5th of 2016. I had just finished my first day of school as a sophomore and then that on a Friday. And then the next day, went straight to the examination for a black belt. Oh, how sweet. I think uh, no wonder your achievement makes you remember all that vividly. And so how did all of this, Amol, as a high schooler at that point, how do you think it influenced you as a student and in the way you perceive things? Not just right at that point in high school, but even after, say, now you're a sophomore in um, in college, you know, you're at UGA doing um, a wonderful business program and, uh, you know, information systems as well, correct? So, um, you know, that's that's all amazing. So how did you think the challenges of high school And what you did in martial arts, how did it all, you know, like, how did this help the other side of it? You know, your student side. I think for one is a strong focus on discipline, especially doing karate for so long. The teachers would always say the people outside of your dojo should recognize you as a unique human being or someone who is not normal. Uh They say that. Once you leave the dojo uh, with your black belt on, even though your black belt may come off around your waist, you never change yourself from your black belt status. You walk around with the the opportunity and the discipline of a black belt. When you're in class, you're always going to respond to your teachers with a very formal yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You're always basically trying to treat friendships, treat other peoples with the kindness that you would like to be treated with. And essentially just make you have good etiquette and basically just be a well-rounded human being, not only inside the dojo, but outside the dojo as well. And Okay. 
Yeah, basically. So again, more life skills, correct? Yes. Like uh, as you mature, you know, it just helped you transition with ease, as I see it, in terms of how you were able to handle uh, the challenges of not just high school, but being a teen and being amongst, you know, your friends and the peer pressure and all of that, as I see it. For sure. And I think one thing which is a huge aspect that I am very thankful for that I got to experience at the dojo is once I got my first degree black belt, I think a week after my sensei said, okay, every Saturday you are now going to start teaching the sparring class. And that was my first ever exposure to not only teaching, but also a leadership role a communications uh-huh. role because every time after class, there are some students that I have to talk to their kids' parents. So it taught me how to communicate to other people that were not like in middle school or elementary school, but also talk to people with actual jobs, people who have been through life experiences. And uh-huh. I just essentially had to learn so many different skills in just one simple teaching class. And that was one thing which I was able to not only pick up, but also flourish in for many different opportunities at school as well. Okay. How do you think that transition and role for you at the dojo from student to teacher, how do you think that is coming in handy for what you're doing right now in college? You know, you're away from home, you're you're managing things, you're handling people, you're a business school student and you're in a prestigious business school. Um, so how is it all? How would you think it's all coming together? right now that experience i think one thing which is very i can visibly vividly see is that my communication skills especially in presenting for any sort of class project or any sort of club project i am very confident with my speaking skills communication skills really and basically leading anything that's needed so i from being able to lead so many different classes at my dojo I was able to find a karate club here at UGA itself. And after a year of being involved with this heavily as a vice president, I was able to be elected as the next president of the club. And I can only credit all of my success that I had with communication, leadership, and anything similar to that to my teaching role at the dojo for Oh, how sweet. Uh, And congratulations on that role. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's phenomenal. And If you were to um, point out any other skill that karate teaches, would you say it also helps you uh, probably when you tie the martial arts and your education and your life when when it all comes together? Is memorization something that you, that's another skill that you gain with karate? I think memorization was not as prevalent, but Definitely um, the ability to adapt on the spot and in any different situation and being able to respond in a cool and effective manner is one specific thing that I definitely picked up doing martial arts. Uh, A section of the black belt test is called the gauntlet, where all the instructors of the dojo, after our entire test, we all think it's over. And then at the very end, they say, you think it's over? And then they all start putting on their sparring gear. And we have to go down the entire line of instructors fighting every single one of them in a sparring manner. Uh And they do not hold back. This is the one time the instructors are going full out. They will hurt you. They will kick you. They will punch you. And they will put you to the ground in a a safe manner, of course. But basically, in that moment, 
they're trying to see that if life presents an opportunity as like unfortunate as this, how are you going to respond? And in that moment, mm-hmm. they're not asking us to win against these instructors with many years of experience, which is just as a high school student, middle school student, that's just completely unnecessary. But what they are looking for is the heart of a black belt, basically being able to look at the situation, even though it's towering event against you and basically being super tall and just like, you don't know if you'll be able to even complete it, even though you know uh-huh. that deep down that like you won't be able to defeat the task. The ability to take that first step into the unknown and being able to say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do my best job anyway, is the thing that definitely transitioned from my dojo to my real life. In those situations where I feel like I can't even handle it, I at least take the first plunge at it and then just do my best ability. So you just go all out. It teaches you to handle adversity and and more than likely you are able to emerge triumphant out of that yes, sure. situation. Oh, I, that's wonderful. And if you were to give any advice or takeaways uh, to listeners and as far as advice as to how one can benefit from martial arts and any general takeaways or anything specific to martial arts for the listeners, what would those be, Amol? Your two cents worth. I really appreciate all the kind of words. Um, one thing which I would definitely take away if, is from martial arts is that it is not only a sport. A lot of sports say that their sports are lifestyle, but martial arts is uh-huh. really a completely different way of living uh, because the origins of martial arts started with the fact of not only being self-defense, but also proactively searching for opportunities to give back. One main uh-huh. thing and main mantra of my dojo school is once you receive your black belt, you are not at the beat. You are not at the end of your journey, but you are actually at the start of your journey. Basically now as a black belt, you have to start Uh teaching classes. You have to give back to all the other students who may have been under you who are now also advanced brown belts, novice black belts. And you as their senior have to guide them through the entire process, prepare them for what they're becoming. And that's one thing which uh, definitely is a key takeaway from martial arts is once you are in a place of high authority and high pride and basically just seen as the leader, now you are not only a leader, but you are also a very, very heavy giver, mm-hmm. basically giving all the knowledge, all the things possible for all the people who respect you just so that they can come up to your level and may even surpass you. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And is there any resource or any other info you want to share about um, training or your dojo or any such? Feel free to amol. Of course. So one thing which I can definitely say is that um, the dojo, if you Google that, I'm pretty sure they have many different locations around Georgia and they are still looking for any sort of students that want to join. And they even have adult classes where different adults will come in on those specific days of the week and even take class with other adults. So if you even think that you are too old to try martial arts, there is no such thing. Anyone can start martial arts at any age and pick it up just fine. That's a great message. What about uh, our listeners world over? You know, like, is there any resource or anything that you would like to tell them about? So any resource would probably be... uh, google honestly it's my most number one resource is like 
if you just simply search in Google karate schools near me or just a simple dojo near me, I am 100% sure that you will find many different uh, resources online that will open up different studios around you. And for the listeners worldwide who may not have access to a dojo studio, if you just simply Google on YouTube, simple karate exercises, they will have many uh-huh. different resources, basically per practicing how to do a correct sidekick, how to do a correct uh, jab cross, how to do a correct self-defense maneuver from the mount or from the from different sort of things. And if someone's coming to come with a strong punch, how to defend from that. So the world and the internet is full of so much information. But mm-hmm. if you do want that guidance in person, and if you are able to do so, I would recommend trying to find a local studio near you just so that you can get the best leadership at hand. Oh, that's a great tip. And thank you so much for being on the show. Such a fascinating conversation on martial arts, you know, as a style of combat and obviously directed towards self-defense. And you emphasized it nice and strong several times yes. that in a safe way. And and um, of course, it's a sport. And uh, like you said, of Japanese origin and as a form of self-defense and judo, karate, taekwondo. Yes, yes. Everything. Everything, you know, falls under that umbrella. Uh, Great insights. And thank you so much. We'll check back with you again in the future and uh, look forward to having many more enlightening conversations. Best wishes to you in in all that you do, Amol. And uh, may you just, uh, you know, uh, excel in your Shoringiryu Karate-do. And uh, we'll check back with you on that. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It was great to talk about my huge passion for martial arts and karate specifically. Thank you. Absolutely. As always, listeners, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Freshly Forever, at Freshly Forever One on Twitter. And follow me personally on Instagram at YP Kumar for all things digital media and lifestyle topics. I'll see you back again next week with another interesting guest and another interesting topic. And it's always a fresh leaf forever on this podcast. Until then, it's Vai saying so long. <laughs>